Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 166. One of the first considerations when booking a Royal Caribbean cruise is the stateroom you will select that will be your home for the duration of your cruise. On any given Royal Caribbean cruise, there are plenty of cabins to consider across a number of different stateroom categories, and there are many considerations that have to be taken into account, but the question is, what's the right room for you? And choosing that right cabin for you should not be a daunting task. In fact, it's actually very easy. Stateroom's come in a lot of different sizes, layouts, views, and even benefits, and what's important to one person may not be as important to someone else. So this week, we're going to take a look at the staterooms available on a Royal Caribbean ship and help you figure out what's the best stateroom category for you. Here we go. When you go to book a Royal Caribbean cruise, the first thing you're going to do is pick your ship. But literally, the next thing everybody has to do is pick a stateroom. And choosing a stateroom for your Royal Caribbean cruise has a lot of different factors that go into it. And this week, I wanted to talk about choosing a stateroom for your Royal Caribbean cruise and kind of understanding everything that goes into it and also exploring some of the lesser-known stateroom options because there's a lot to consider when you look at it. You know, on any given Royal Caribbean cruise, there are plenty of cabins to consider across a number of different stateroom categories. There are many considerations to take into account when you're talking about any of these, but choosing the right cabin for you is not difficult. It's just a matter of kind of digging through what's available to you and knowing what's available to you because staterooms come in different sizes, layouts, views, and even benefits with them. So what's important to one person may not be important to someone else. There really is no wrong cabin to pick. Let's be perfectly clear about that. I don't think you can make a wrong decision. You could certainly maybe pay for something you didn't need or regret that you didn't pay for something that you really wanted, but it's still not a bad decision. I don't think you'll have a bad cruise as a result of it. You're just it's a, it's a lesson. And if we can, we will avoid those lessons on the ship and learn from them while we're sitting in the comfort of our homes, wishing we were on our stateroom on the ship. (laughs) So the first thing to understand is the categories of staterooms. And there's four basic categories, right? Inside, ocean view, balcony, and suites. Now, that may sound simple. Say, oh, that's easy, Matt. Well, not so much. I mean, it is and it's not because Royal Caribbean also breaks down those four categories dramatically depending on which class of ships you're on. The newer the ship you happen to be on, like if you're on the brand new Harmony of the Seas, but you got a lot of choices compared to, say, Empress of the Seas, not as many to choose from. But we'll start with the obvious and kind of work our way through them. Inside staterooms are the most basic and also the smallest of the staterooms that you can choose from. Inside rooms are basically known for having no views outside of the room, no natural views outside of the room. And that basically means there's no windows, no balconies, no doors other than outside to the hallway and obviously to your, to your bathroom, right? But it's it's four walls with nothing to look at except for the TV and whatever art is on there, right? Really basic. I think this is the easiest stateroom category to understand. It is important to understand there are actually some other new kinds of rooms that Royal Caribbean has added over the years that are considered inside staterooms but worth considering. Number one is the promenade view staterooms. These are inside view rooms that actually do have a window. They offer a bay window that overlooks the Royal Promenade. And while you can't see outside your ship, it does provide something to look at. And I stayed in this for the very first time, a promenade view room, when I was on Freedom of the Seas just uh, last month in September. And I really did enjoy it. It was my first time doing this. The reason why we picked this, first of all, was we wanted to get two rooms. We got two connecting promenade view rooms for our family. So that way our kids could be in one room and we could be in another room. And it was, at first I picked it mostly because it was a matter of convenience. It was the uh, best priced option for our family. But trying the promenade view, I really did enjoy a couple factors. That number one is the ability to people watch. It's great for people watching, in fact, because 
you have your window looks down on the promenade. Most people aren't looking up, so you kind of have a little bit of a sense of being able to enjoy seeing what's going on there. Whether most times there's nothing really going on, people are just walking by, shopping, eating, browsing. But during shows and certain events on the promenade, it's cool to be able to sit there, especially if you're just interested in getting a glance of what's going on, but then returning to doing something else, perhaps going to sleep. And I do also like the fact that the fact that it's a bay window allows for some a little extra space compared to a traditional inside room because that bay window jets out a little bit and it gives you a little more room but also be somewhere else to sit and it was really nice somewhere comfortable able to go i really like that so i would advise that it's a great option and if you're wondering the most common question about the rail promenade view room is matt is it noisy can you hear a lot of noise bleed from the promenade absolutely not i know you might think that's the case but I can tell you from experience, not the not nothing to be worried about. Another kind of inside room that's kind of brand new, in fact, is the virtual balcony. And the virtual balconies are an inside room, so your usual inside room, four four walls, right? But they've added an 80-inch LED high-definition TV that provides a live views from around the ship. And they actually add a computer-generated balcony railing, so it actually looks like a balcony room so it's basically it even has the sound you can mute it you can turn the, the virtual balcony on or off and the only thing missing is really the smell per se and the breeze i suppose but it's a really cool option i am a big fan of the virtual balcony rooms simply because otherwise i'd be staying in a regular old boring inside room and i like having that ability to see outside without maybe having to actually go outside especially it's really helpful in the morning you know you're waking up in the morning you want to see what the weather's like outside or maybe you're in port you want to see what's going on you know you can having the virtual balcony is really cool. I've been in a virtual balcony on Quantum of the Seas, Anthem of the Seas, and Navigator of the Seas. And having stayed in one for uh, a week on Quantum of the Seas, I really enjoyed it. I really thought it was a great deal. And the fact that virtual balconies really don't cost much, if any, more difference than a regular room, it's to me, it's a no-brainer. I really love it, and I'm a big fan of it. So, you know, again, given the choice between no virtual balcony or virtual balcony, give me a virtual balcony any day. I mean, it's not as good as, obviously, a regular balcony, but... It's to me, it's the next best thing. The next state room categories you have are ocean views. These are pretty simple to understand. In fact, ocean view state rooms are just like inside state rooms, except they have a window. There's no way to go outside. You can't open up the window. You can't do anything like that. It's just a window somewhere. And usually it's a porthole. Uh, sometimes on some Royal Cream ships, it's, it can be a full size window, but usually you're looking out to the ocean, right? And that's basically it. There's not a whole lot to it. Uh, the reason to consider an ocean view room is if a view is important to you. I mean, an inside room is going to be cheaper, but you get no outside view unless you're talking about a virtual balcony, right? But for some people, they actually do like to see outside, whether it's the ocean, whether it's, uh, you know, who knows what. Having a view, natural light means something to somebody. And a lot of times, the price difference between an inside room and a notion view is really negligible or not that much. You know, maybe $100 or so for the entire cruise. I mean, a lot of times people look at the price and say, well, it'd be silly not to get the ocean view because the price difference is really not that much. And you move up to the ocean view. The other big advantage of an ocean view over an inside is typically the ocean view rooms are a little bit bigger than the inside rooms, a little more living space. And every square foot counts, man. <laughs> it's really a big deal if you ask me. So if you can get an extra 20 feet of square footage, it's worth it. Now, there is another uh, kind of ocean view called the panoramic ocean view. And basically what the difference is, instead of having a porthole or a regular window, you have a floor-to-ceiling window. And in, in it depends on the ship you happen to be on. But 
And these panoramic ocean view stateriums uh, can give you, again, that floor-to-ceiling wraparound window that is 76 inches high by anywhere from 103 to 321 inches wide. That, my friends, is a big window. <laughs> and the panoramics are really cool. If you ever get a chance to see one, boy, they're really, really nice. They're, they're usually up high on, like, deck 12 of a ship. That may be the only issue if you're sensitive to being higher and you prefer a lower deck. But nonetheless, an ocean view is what it says. It's an inside room with a view. That's all there happens to be about it, and it opens a view to the ocean. So pretty straightforward. Now, the next category of staterooms, this one's very popular with a lot of people, is the balcony staterooms, right? Uh, back in the day, back even before I ever was cruising, balcony rooms were not nearly as prevalent as they are today. Nowadays, you look at a ship like Anthem of the Seas or Harmony of the Seas, there are a ton of balcony staterooms, an overflowing amount, in fact. And that's for good reason, because guests have said, we really, really like balconies. Balconies are not that are not usually that expensive. They are more expensive than an ocean view or an inside. But it allows you to have a special spot on the ship just for you to enjoy, you know, being outside while still in your room. Now, obviously, there's plenty of places on board a ship to go outside, be it on, a, on a, in a public area, on the pool deck, on the promenade deck, uh, helipad, in the aft of the ship. There's places to go outside, but having your own private little balcony, it's a nice perk. I'm not going to deny it. And now, how big your balcony is will depend on the ship and the category, because again, Royal Caribbean breaks down balconies into various sub categories of balcony, but they all have a very common, uh, common denominator, right? You have a, a regular room, which again is going to be larger than an inside or an ocean view room, and it's also going to provide an extra little space outside with a sliding door that allows you to get access to your balcony. And there's usually some chairs and some ta- and a table or two available on your balcony. And balcony staterooms really are, for a lot of people, that sweet spot of, you know, it's a little bit more than the other staterooms we talked about, but it allows you to have that personal space. And when you're in port or you're maybe in some itineraries like Alaska or the Mediterranean, having a balcony for some people is really important because it allows you to be able to go whenever you want to outside, have a little private space to be able to enjoy the view and Many, many cases where your Royal Caribbean ship is going is going to be utterly beautiful. And having a chance to go out there in the morning when you're just waking up and you want to see what's going on, you know, maybe you're not fully dressed, you know, you're in your pajamas. That's what I mean. <laughs> it's probably not a good idea to go out without clothing. I'm just saying, pro tip from one cruiser to another, go out with something on. But, you know, you're barely awake and you just want to see what's going on there and maybe enjoy a cup of coffee on your balcony. You can do that. And, you know, the virtues of the balcony, we can sit here for days and talk about all of them. They're really cool, and it's it's kind of a neat thing to be able to have. There's no question about it. I've gone back and forth, personally, as to whether I stay in a balcony or not. For me, it's a lot of it is is the, your budget, right? If you got the budget for it, a lot of people always go for it, and I, I say it, it is absolutely worth it. But if you're trying to do a quick, you know, escape cruise or you're trying to cruise for less, save some money here and there, certainly compromising on your balcony going down to one of the ocean views or inside rooms can save you a lot of money. I mean, oftentimes there is a substantial price difference between a balcony and an inside. Not always, and sometimes the price difference, honestly, is still, you know, is something that you can easily rationalize as a good investment because you get that kind of space. Now, uh, it depends also which ship you're going on, what category ships. As an example, like Empress of the Seas, which is an extreme example. Okay, it's not a common ship. So it's there's only one of her. One of she's the only ship of her class, and you know most ships do not are not like that. But there are no actual balcony staterooms on Empress of the Seas. There's only uh, junior suites that allow balcony because back 25 years ago they didn't really have that kind of stuff. Now you look at it, almost every other class of ships has plenty of balcony space. Certainly the larger ships offer more. The newer the ship, the more you're going to have, and 
it's a really cool thing. A lot of people swear by balconies. Some people, will, in fact, will not stay in anything but a balcony. And I think to me, it's it's a matter of looking at your price and what you're looking to do. Right? As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you know, choosing the room is about what's choosing the right room for you. And what's right for me may not be right for you. And it's important to kind of understand what you're looking to do. Is budget important to you? Is getting scenery the important to you? You know, there's a lot of different factors. Now, there are also two other kind of balcony staterooms that most balconies we're talking about, you're envisioning a nice view of the ocean. Ah, look at that. The glistening water as your ship goes by with, you know, maybe a dolphin swimming by. Ah, isn't that nice? But there's also two other kinds of balconies Royal Caribbean offers, which are Central Park balconies and Boardwalk balconies. These are basically called, uh, collectively, neighborhood balconies. So instead of facing the ocean, they face inwards towards a neighborhood on an Oasis-class ship, namely Central Park or the Boardwalk. I like these as well for two main reasons. Number one, I love the ambiance, especially Central Park. It's beautiful. It's very nice to see. It's great for people watching just like those promenade view rooms I was talking about earlier. But here you get a balcony. You still get that balcony experience, but you get something different to look at. And if you cruise on a number of Royal Caribbean ships, having something a different kind of experience like a Central Park balcony or or a boardwalk balcony, which is only available on Oasis class ships is a really cool option. And also, these room, these types of balconies tend to be cheaper than ocean view balconies. So, hey, you get to save a little bit of money but not compromise on your balcony experience. And if you're worried about noise again, nope, not a problem. I'll tell you this right off the bat. It's not nearly an issue. As soon as you close that door, I've never experienced any issues with noise, bleed, or anything like that. And quite honestly, I love the ambiance of it. But it goes back and forth. Uh, you know, my wife likes the ocean view balconies better. I like the Central Park balconies better. So we both know, everyone knows here that, of course, I'm wrong. But <laughs> but I would tell you that I would encourage you, actually, to try one of these out because it is a really cool experience. And, you know, you go back to some other class of Royal Caribbean ship and you'll be able to do ocean view balconies exclusively. And there you go. Now, the last category of staterooms are the suites. And suites are at the high end of Royal Caribbean staterooms options. And they're the most luxurious. And they're also the largest of the staterooms available. And as you might imagine... They're also the most expensive. <laughs> the reason to book a suite is really simple. You want to reward yourself. You want to splurge. You want something nice, right? It's it's just like buying cars. Why do you why does someone buy a Mercedes or uh, or a BMW or a Cadillac over a Ford or a Toyota? Because they want to reward themselves. They want something a little nicer than the usual. They both you know cars get you from point A to point B. They do that kind of thing. Staterooms are more or less very similar in that very basic regard, right? No matter what, it's a place to sleep, shower, and change. But for suites, it's really about enjoying the experience a little bit more. And suites offer a tremendous amount of personal space, higher-end amenities, special bonuses, and exclusive access. So there's a lot of different suites out there. And we have I don't have time to list every single possible suite option across Royal Caribbean's fleet. I mean, they range from junior suites to presidential suites. There are two-deck suites. There are suites that offer, you know, uh, special views. There are jacuzzis on suites. I mean, it's really impressive in terms of what's available to you. A couple things to keep in mind, though, about all suites. Number one, in addition to the space, which is probably the number one thing you're going to notice about any suite is the sheer amount of living space you're going to get. You're also going to get some other benefits. You get a bathtub in suites instead of a stand-up shower. You're going to get double crown and anchor society points for each night of the cruise. So if you were staying in a regular balcony or an inside room or what have you that we talked about earlier, you're only going to get you know, one night for every uh, one point for every night of your cruise. But if you're staying in a suite, you get double points. Now, that may not be the most compelling reason to book a suite, but it is a really nice one. It helps move up that chain of Royal Caribbean uh, Society, Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society uh, status is a whole lot faster. 
Now, in addition to that, you also get access to the concierge lounge, concierge planning assistance, complimentary drinks and a private lounge, and also reserved seating by the pool and for shows. And there's also some other benefits. It all depends on the class of ships you're going on. We are planning on doing an episode here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast all about the Royal Suite class. This is something you may have been hearing about. It's a new revamped suite program that's only available on the Quantum class and Oasis class ships. I'm uh, waiting for the right opportunity to talk about it so we can give you good information on that. But you know, the important thing to understand is that there are a lot of benefits to staying in a suite, regardless of which ship you happen to be on. But some ships do offer you more for the experience. Now, suites are not cheap. Okay, Sometimes you can find a deal on them. But, I mean, there are regularly you'll find – it's not uncommon to find some suites on some ships that cost as much as a car. <laughs> but instead of paying having the car that's yours, you know, laying out – Fifteen twenty thousand dollars this is for a room. Not all suites go that high. In fact, junior suites and some of the other suites, like grand suites, are far more affordable. Now, it is important to note, I mentioned junior suites. Junior suites, how do I, how do I explain junior suites? They're essentially a, don't, ignore the word suite in junior suite. They're mostly like super-duper deluxe balcony staterooms. Despite the fact they have the word suite in their name, they don't offer all the benefits of other kinds of suites out there. So when I say suites, I'm really talking about grand suites and above. The junior suite category does offer some other amenities. I will post a link on our show notes at royalcreamblog.com to more details about the junior suite because it is kind of an outlier in that regard. But it is a suite, and it does offer some benefits of the suites. But when, when you really talk about the suite class in general, I'm really talking about grand suites and up. And if you say, really, you know, you're asking Matt, should I stay in a suite? Is it worth the money? Those are like the two most common questions. I will tell you, it depends. You know, if you got the money and you're looking for a way to reward yourself, to splurge, to enjoy it, boy, it's hard to go wrong with the, with these kinds of rooms, right? I think that there are a couple factors to take into account. Number one, budget. Number two, your itinerary. If you're going on a really port-intensive itinerary and you really want to get out there and explore these ports, that will limit the amount of time you're staying in your suite. Perhaps it's not worth it to you. By the same token, maybe you want to take advantage of a lot of the programs that are available to you. Maybe leveling up in Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society is, is important to you. you want to, you're right now at Platinum. You really want to get to Diamond. This is a great way to do it. Maybe you want to have or you expect to have a certain level of service. This is the right thing for you as well. So there's a lot of different factors. And I think most people, though, will play the price as the number one thing, right? I mean, if suites cost, you know, if suites were the same cost as inside state rooms, well, most people will probably stay in suites regardless. Why would anyone not, right? Cost, you know, money makes the world go round, and it does for suites as well. So it's important to understand that. But the other thing you're going to want to understand about all staterooms are amenities. So now that you don't understand the, the difference between the stateroom categories, let's talk about amenities and what's available in a room. All Royal Caribbean staterooms come with a private bathroom that are equipped with a shower. So really basic. You don't have to worry about a communal bath or anything like that. All Royal Caribbean staterooms come with, with a private bathroom. And as I mentioned earlier, suites have bathtubs in addition to showers. So if you need a tub or really prefer a tub, you're going to want to look at that option. Now, it's really hard to make generalizations about what's included on, on all Royal Caribbean staterooms, but there are some basic common denominators among them. All staterooms are going to have televisions, a private bathroom, as I mentioned, a safe, a mini bar, and some sort of sitting area for you to do. So in addition to the bed, you'll have a couch or a chair or couches and chairs uh, that you'll be able to enjoy. But again, you'll want to refer to your ship's layout for the specific accommodations you're looking at. But I think probably if you're talking about the most important things to consider when you're looking at a stadium, the category is probably number one. But also right behind it, number two, or even a 1A, 1B, is the stateroom location. 
Where your stateroom is located can be, honestly, just as important a consideration as the type of room you select. Because Royal Caribbean ships are really large, in fact, and even the smaller ships are still really large ships. And picking your room location means you have to take into account access and convenience to a number of public areas on the ship. So let me give you an example. If you're prone to seasickness, or you think you're prone to seasickness, staying in a room that is center of the ship, low on a lower deck, is going to be more important to you. If you're someone who likes to hang out on the pool deck all the time, if you're Mr. Party or you just like hanging out on the pool deck all day long, well, then why would you stay in a lower deck, right? Because you'd probably want to be closer to make it more convenient. Stay in a higher deck, closer to uh, what you're looking to do. If you have a mobility issue, whether it's a wheelchair or you just have trouble getting around or, you're, you know, what have you, I would recommend probably staying in a room that's closer to one of the elevator lobbies so that way it's easy to get by and you're not, you know, hoofing it from your room all the time to get to an elevator. So... Again, it's not that there's a bad location, and that's number one thing we probably should talk about. There is, there are no bad locations, okay? There are certainly less desirable locations, and I think that it's one of those things that's just too subjective to say, you know, you shouldn't stay here or you shouldn't stay there. Some people love staying aft. Some people love staying all the way forward. Some people love staying, you know, on a certain deck. It can vary. I think what's important to you is understand what's important to you in terms of, you know, where what your priorities are, where you want to be, where you don't want to be. And give some basic guidelines in there. I think in general, though, most people would agree that the most desirable location is somewhere midship simply because it's going to be centrally located to everything that's going on the ship. And that makes it equally easy to get everywhere on board the ship. So it's not always the case, but it's a general thing that you're going to find as ships start to book up. You're going to find less and less rooms in the center of the ship and more rooms available towards the extreme front or extreme aft of the ship reality of it doesn't mean it's bad doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them just i think it's just people are conditioned to think that the the central part of the ship is the best because it is the most centrally located so something to keep in mind i think the only thing that you'd probably want to avoid if, if the extreme front or the extreme aft potentially not always is if you are extremely sensitive to motion if you know if if you're worried about it or you think you're worried about it probably avoiding the extreme forward and extreme aft of the ship is a good idea, especially forward more so than aft. But you know, being more center is is uh, is a good idea. Uh, I, I think when it comes to picking a stateroom location, though, arguably the most important criteria can be how close or far your cabin is from certain onboard facilities. Some guests, you know, prefer to be close to the pool deck, as I mentioned earlier. Others want to be closer to the Royal Promenade, and you know, it's all relative, right? In terms of how far it is, I will tell you that certainly it is <laughs> logically. Okay, on an Oasis class ship, it's going to be far, further to walk on on the given decks than it is on a Vision class ship. But for some people, they will say, "Oh no, it wasn't much of a walk at all." And other people are like, "Oh my gosh, it was a hike through the Himalayas to get from point A to point B." I, I think it's going to depend on you and what your preferences are. I I think that you probably should have an idea in your mind of how what how important is it to you? How important is it to you to be close to the elevators, or it does really doesn't? In my experience, I've learned it really doesn't matter. I, I think that outside of the Oasis class ships, I don't really even notice much of a walk. And there's so much going on on the ship that you can pretty much, you know, have an equal opportunity to have long walks and short walks no matter what because you're going to be going, you know, sometimes to the promenade, sometimes to the dining room, sometimes to the pool deck, sometimes to the Adventure Ocean. And, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And to me, you know, if I'm really worried about a longer walk, I walk out on a, on a public deck. Like, you know, sometimes I was telling my wife, I was like, I really don't want to walk on the, on, you know, go to our deck and then walk all the way down the, 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 the hallway, past all the rooms. I'd rather walk on the pool deck 
walk across there and come back down and then be closer to our room and give me something to look at, right? So there's ways around it. It's not the end of the world. But I think you should probably look at, at your deck plans and understand you know what's around you and how close you are to other things. I will point out that it is important, a good pro tip, when you're looking at your stateroom, look what is above and below your room, not just what's on your deck. So as an example, if you're looking at deck nine, okay, I don't know what ship you're looking at, but let's say hypothetically you're looking at deck nine, and hypothetically on deck 10 above you or on deck eight below you, uh, below your room, there is a public space, be it a pool, be it a restaurant. Sometimes, some people have reported noise bleed through there. It can happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying that it's the end of the world. I'm not saying that you're going to experience it. But if it were me, personally, I wouldn't book a room underneath a pool or above a pool or I don't think you'd be above a pool. (laughs) You know, above a a restaurant or a lounge or below a restaurant or a lounge. Just avoid it if you can. Probably a good... uh, you know, rule of thumb there when you're looking at rooms. So when you're looking at your room, look what's above and below you by one deck. Anything beyond that, you'll never be able to hear anyway. And that's probably the only thing I really consider when I'm looking at it. So, you know, it's really important to understand what all these rooms offer and take into consideration. I hope the lesson you've come away with this at this point is saying that it's really all relative, right? What one person is going to pick is going to be different than what another person picks because it really comes down to what's important to you. Budget, location, proximity, and amenities are really what you're looking at when you pick a cruise now, or pick a stateroom on a cruise, I will point out also if you're worried about it, if you if you're a little uh, not sure about what to do, again, a travel agent is your best friend in this regard. And I'm a big fan of using travel agents. I'm I think it's probably come across here on a couple different podcasts. That I, I really like. I use them all the time. And if you're worried, if you have questions, they are there. They are your friends to help you in this process and pick the exact right room for you. My best advice is to go with their suggestion or go with their advice ask them for help because the worst they're going to tell you is you know they're just going to give you their their opinion on you know option a option b and then you can you know roll the dice with it i've not regretted any serum i've ever stayed in i really enjoyed them all they do a great job with it and it's really just a matter of what you're looking to spend where you want to be and what's important to you and understand remember there is not there are no bad decisions it's just you know You just have to make sure you're making the right decision for you and what's important to you. It's time once again to answer your Royal Caribbean emails. Love doing this. Each and every week, I invite every single one of you that's listening, every one of you, everyone, including you. Yeah, you. Not not another guy. You. I want to hear from you about Royal Caribbean. Whether you have a question, a comment, a thought. Love to hear about. But before we get to the questions today, or the emails in general, I've got some housekeeping to take care of. Number one, first and foremost, a correction. And this goes back to a couple episodes ago when we did the update on the drink package as well. There's been an update to the update. (laughs) In that episode, we talked about the deluxe drink package having the Starbucks option in there. And what ended up happening is Royal Caribbean went back and forth on their answer. Here's the new result, and here's what you have to keep in mind. If you're buying a deluxe drink package or... Any drink package with a premium coffee inclusion, it kind of sort of involves Starbucks. So originally, Royal Caribbean said that Starbucks was included at all locations. That's not true. It's actually back to what it was on the old drink package, where on non-Oasis class ships, be it Cafe Promenade, uh, Cafe Latitudes, La Patisserie, you'll have the option to get premium coffee included in your drink package, which happens to be, in this case, brewed Starbucks beverages. So you can get on Freedom of the Seas, Navigator of the Seas, Enchantment of the Seas, your caramel macchiatos and whatnot. 
if you're on an Oasis class ship, it is not included. The Starbucks location is not included with your drink package, and you'll be able to still get your premium coffees and teas though from places like Happy Promenade and Park Cafe. It's not going to be Starbucks beverages, but it is going to be premium coffee. So I wanted to make sure we got the right information out there, and I personally was waiting to get the corrected update information. I want to make sure it was really set in stone, and it appears that it is. So I apologize about the information not being 100% correct in that episode that was geared towards making it 100% correct, but I'm glad we got the right information out there. So anybody considering buying a drink package, you should uh, keep that in mind. And if that does change your decision, of course, you keep in mind, you can always cancel the drink package before your cruise. You should have no problem with that. Second bit of uh, housekeeping is that we've actually got a big announcement coming up. Uh, Believe it or not, now that we're in October, we are going to be celebrating our one-year Royal Caribbean Blog Insider anniversary. A year ago, we began a brand new program here at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com where I invited all of you to help support Royal Caribbean Blog by donating to the blog financially every month and getting some pretty cool rewards in the program that we ended up calling the Royal Caribbean Blog Insiders. And to celebrate the one-year anniversary and how amazed I am by how supportive all of you have been, we are doing a one-year insiders-only live show. That's right. Only the insiders will be able to join us for this. This will be happening on Wednesday, October 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern. And this will be able to anybody who donates to Royal Caribbean Blog financially through the Insiders program. Now, to become an insider, it's very easy. You just go to royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support. And I'll post a link in our show notes to that URL. royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support. And if you donate at any level, any level, you will be eligible to join us for this live show. I've got some you know fun little surprises planned for this. I think this will be a great time. I can't wait. And I am really excited to celebrate with all of you because, of course, it's because of you that Royal Caribbean blog is where it is today, and your support means so much to me. And I, w- I really need to say, beyond, and I say this during the live show as well, but I really want to say thank you. Thank you to everybody who's supported RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com, whether you've been reading the blog, listening to this podcast, both, joining us on Periscope, joining us on Facebook, sharing links. I love it. I love the information. I love the camaraderie, and I've said this for a long time, and I really do believe it. We here at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com have the best community out there. I mean, I just, top to bottom, Love everyone who comes in here and just the great attitude, the the good manner joking that we have here and the wonderful attitude towards helping share information. I love it. So really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for all of your support from whether you're – to everyone who's been a Royal Caribbean Blog Insider and really everybody who's supported Royal Caribbean Blog in general. I really can't ever take enough time to say thank you for all your support because I know that RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com success, any success we have – is because of all of you and the wonderful support I've, I've enjoyed from all of you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all that. And to all the Royal Caribbean Blog Insiders, I can't wait to talk to you on October 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern time and get a little private, fun talking Royal Caribbean. So now that we have that out of the way, let us jump into our email inbag. Inbag? That's not even a thing, Matt. What am I talking about? Inbox. There we go. And our first email is from someone who didn't want to be mentioned on the air. Okay. Mystery person. We'll call this person Michael Poole. Hi, Matt. Thanks for an awesome podcast. I really enjoy it every week. I have a couple questions about Labadee, but first I wanted to share with you my experience on Royal Caribbean. A couple years ago, I booked Alaska cruise for my parents and I. About a month before the cruise, I found out I have a serious medical condition and needed emergency surgery. There was no way I could make the trip. I talked to my travel agent, and she said there is nothing she can do as this past final payment. 
I kept calling and insisting she contacts Royal Caribbean for me. When she finally did, they requested a note from my doctor and graciously offered to reschedule the cruise for me and my parents on any sailing of our choice. We ended up going on the northbound Alaska sailing on a Radiance of the Seas last year and had an amazing time, even though we got caught in a storm and our Glacier Day was canceled. From now on, I always prefer Royal Caribbean, and I need to find a better travel agent. I just booked the Wastes of the Seas Western itinerary, and can't wait. I'll be traveling with my husband and our young kids who are five and seven years old. The cabanas on Labadee look great, but I just can't justify $495 for a cabana. Looking at Labadee choices, I'm considering renting a bungalow at Columbus Cove, Amiga Island Experience, private beach at Malfany. Have you been to any of these private beaches? Do you have recommendations on which would be the best choice for the family? Or would we have so much fun at Columbus Cove that the beach bungalow would be the way to go? I was wondering if you had any recommendations for a family fun day in Jamaica. Great question, Michael Poole. So to answer your question, Michael Poole, here is what I would say. Honestly, the beach bungalows, which are kind of a new option, I'll post a link to them on our on the show notes here at RollCreamBlog.com. They are a really – I like them a lot. I saw them when I was there. On my recent cruise, we I did a little walkering around the island and check check them out. They're basically a poor man's cabana. <laughs> they cost less than the cabana, but the only difference is you're missing one of the walls. So a traditional cabana has really three walls, and the beach bungalows do not. They have like two walls. I don't know why one wall is open. Don't ask me. Uh, they're not. You don't get. I mean, you also don't. I don't think there was a ceiling fan there. You can check out the link. For more information about them, I like them a lot, though. I think they're, for the price, it's a really good deal, and it does give you that same kind of privacy that a cabana does, and it gives you that option to be able to have a little more of an upgraded experience. I really like it a lot, and I, I think that I've never done the Amiga Island or the Malfini experiences. I've heard good things about them. I think, though, with kids, I'd prefer to be somewhere that I don't have to take a boat to get back to the ship. I think, you know, you know how kids are. I don't have to tell you, Michael Poole, about how children are and how, you know, you, you know, t- you, you plan out the best of days and then, you know, two hours later they're whining and crying and they need to get back to air conditioning or, or whatever. I don't You forgot something. Who knows what it could be. But I like that flexibility of being on, on the island because, of course, you have the dock right there in Labadee. Makes it a whole lot easier to get back and forth. And I really like So if I were, if it were me... I would probably go with a bungalow. I think it's going to be a better value, certainly, when you consider that you have the bungalow for the entire day. And, you know, when you break break down that price per hour, per person, compared to most other shore excursions, including the two you listed there, you end up coming with a, not a bad value. And at four people, I think that's not, it's not a bad deal at all. So I really liked it. And if it were me, I'd probably do the beach bungalows. I'm actually thinking about doing the beach bungalows for our next Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise, which is on Navigator this season. We are stopping in Labadee. And I've said, I mean, usually I would just think, oh, I'll do a cabana. But now I'm wondering, should I try the bungalows for research purposes? I don't know. But I would like to try it out. It looks cool. And, uh, you know, if you can save it. And they're basically the difference between the bungalows, besides some of the differences I mentioned earlier, is also there is a significant price, at least $100. Uh, the four ninety five value that you mentioned there, I believe that's for the over-the-water cabanas. The beach cabanas on Nellie's Beach should be about three ninety five, But nonetheless, it's still another $100 less. So, you know, at two, I believe it was around two fifty when I last checked. So that's, you know, significantly cheaper than the four ninety five price you were looking at. So from that standpoint... I might really look. I would look strongly at that, but I wouldn't have any problems going with the Malfini or Amiga Island experiences. I, I just I like staying on Labadee, and I like doing the thing over there with with the beach bungalows or the cabana. So it's a great question. Oh, the other question you had was about family fun day in Jamaica. I got a great excursion for you. It's not 
cheap. It's not inexpensive, but it is a good option. And that is the Hilton Rose Hall Resort. It's an all-inclusive day pass that you can actually get now through Royal Caribbean. When I went there, it was something I booked through a third party through uh, resortforday.com. But you can also get it through Royal Caribbean. And it's an all-inclusive resort that has... Uh, it has a pool, it has beach access, it has a water... The water park is amazing. The best part about the water park, by the way, is that when you come down the slides, if you keep swimming after you come down that slide, you go right into the swim-up bar. <laughs> so, as a parent, it's great. It's like, yeah, let's go down the slide again. All right, cool. Kids, when we get to the bottom, just hang out for a second because I'm going straight to the bar. <laughs> it's beautiful. Really, really nice. Well done. We loved our time there a lot. It was great for kids of all ages. And I liked having the option of the beach and the pool. I think the pool ended up winning out because... Swim up bars always went out. <laughs> I think in everything, swim up bars win, right? So I really like that one a lot. And if it were me and I were going back, and I think the next time we end up going to Labadee, which will probably be on the Har- uh, to, I'm sorry, to Falmouth, which will be on the Harmony of the Seas group cruise in 2017. Look how I managed to sneak in two different shameless plugs to the Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise. This, folks, is how you get to run your own podcast by working on these uh, slick tactics. <laughs> Anyway, I'll post a link in the show notes to both our group cruises because you, Michael Poole, I would love to have you join us for it. And uh, I, I, I think I might go back again because I really enjoyed it a lot. There's also another all-inclusive resort similar. I've never been to this particular one. It's the Jewel Runaway Beach Resort. It's a little bit cheaper than the Hilton, but you know, it, I think it's also a little bit further away, if I'm not mistaken. But it's something to consider as well. I'll post a link in the show notes to the resortforaday.com a day pass for all the resorts that are available in Jamaica. Just keep in mind when you're looking at any resort, any all-inclusive, especially in Falmouth, how far is it from the ship, from where you dock exactly? Because that's going to be factoring your travel time. And again, some of these are available through Royal Caribbean, so compare and contrast what's available to you in terms of cost and, and options. But it's not a bad idea. It's a great way to spend the day and... When in doubt, it's not a, you know, especially in Falmouth where a lot of people, you know, struggle with what to pick. I think that uh, the for families, this might be a great option because, again, it gives you that beach and pool experience, which, as you know, Michael Pool with kids, it can, can always be a bit of a challenge. So thank you for the email. Appreciate it. Good question. Let's keep things rolling with our next emails from Aaron T. I'm a loyalist to your podcast and a huge Royal Caribbean fan. In response to the bed position on Oasis-class ships, the easiest way to determine the bed location for a specific room is to find a set of adjoining balcony rooms nearby on a deck plan. The adjoining room on the left, when viewing the room from the hallway, will always have the bed to the closest, and the adjoining room to the right will always have the bed next to the balcony. The bed location will alternate for each balcony, Ocean View, Central Park, and Boardwalk, according to this pattern, regardless of the side of the ship, port or starboard, all the way down until a suite room is encountered. Keep up the great work with the podcast and website. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate. I think we've had like four or five different explanations of this, and I swear I've learned a different strategy every single time. I love it. You know what? One of these is going to help somebody, and I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Aaron, for the email. That's very helpful. Next up, we have an email from Damian Rickard of Lisbon, Connecticut. Damian, really looking forward uh, to getting into the planning for our February 8-9 Eastern Caribbean cruise on Freedom of the Seas, but I have a question. We booked Chopped Grill for my wife's birthday through the online cruise planner, but it charges the full adult price of $35 for all four of us, including my kids ages 8 and 4. What gives? And how do I get this corrected? Damien, this is a good question. So when you're booking children in general for specialty dining, do not book them for specialty dining, in fact. That's right. What you should do, Damien, is change. You may have to cancel and rebook. But regardless, get rid of the kids. Just make it for you and your wife. 
and bring the kids with you. When you get to the restaurant, say, hey, we made this reservation for, for the two of us, but it's really the four of us, right? Because we've got the, the kids with us, and they will give you the special kids pricing. By booking in advance and, and reserving it for four, you will pay the full adult price, which means you're overpaying. My other recommendation, Damien, is when you get on board the ship, go tell them about what you're doing. Don't just show up the night of, be like, hey, good news. Because Chaps tends to be very popular, and adding more people can be somewhat of an issue. But if you go there on day one and be like, hey, you know, we made this reservation. I just want to let you know we are sure going to bring our two kids with us because the kids' pricing is different. They will then charge you the appropriate kid pricing when you get on board uh, or onto the restaurant there. So that's definitely what you want to do. This is true for any specialty restaurant that has a cover charge. Do not book your children if they, I believe it's uh, 16 years old uh, or under. Do not book them. Just book the adults and then go to the restaurant and let them know what's going on and how many kids will be joining you. And that should probably be okay. So there you go. Easy answer, Damien. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing about your eight-night Eastern. That sounds like a great itinerary. Oh, man, I need to get back on a ship. Anyway, (laughs) next we have an email from Christy who writes, Hi, Matt. I'm loving listening to your podcast and reading your blog. I came across your blog podcast about after booking me and my husband's first ever cruise on Anthem of the Seas out of Cape Liberty for a five-night cruise in Bermuda. I googled Royal Caribbean cruise tips, and I think the first episode of your podcast I listened to was the top 10 mistakes, and oops, number one was not using a travel agent. However, I really think that in our case, did end up getting a great rate on a balcony because I ended up booking only 45 days in advance, and we were within driving distance to Cape Liberty. I am so excited, and I'm now checking your blog daily. You've already got me planning our next cruise, and we haven't even left yet. Reading through your posts has made me confident that we picked the perfect ship and the perfect itinerary for us. My question is this. There is so much on your blog or podcast about various ports of the Caribbean, but nothing about Bermuda. What gives? Is it an unpopular destination for some reason? I was hoping to get your input about what to do there, as well as we'll be docking there overnight, so we'll have two full days to explore the island, keep up the good work, and enjoy the group cruise. Thank you, Christy. Great question. There's nothing wrong with Bermuda. In fact, I love Bermuda. We went there a couple of years ago. I'll be honest, a lot of the content that's driven in the blog happens to be where I happen to go on a cruise because that's going to be the source of a lot of content. Not always the case. I can always, you know, I've been to Bermuda before and certainly we have a lot of great people who contribute to the blog. So let me give you some some tips about Bermuda. Bermuda is a wonderful island. Beautiful. It's expensive, but it's beautiful. So when you get down there, you're going to be, uh, Bermuda essentially looks like a backwards three. If you were to look at the map of it, you dock at the bottom and then you have in the middle you have you dock at the bottom, and there's kind of a, a, a semi-circle or a, a half moon, again, reversed, and you go up, and there's Hamilton, which is a city, and then you do another half moon reversed up, and you've got uh, 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 Fort George, St. George, something George in there, another town in Bermuda, and it's pretty, it's very easy to get around. I will tell you a couple things. Number one, do not use a taxi. This is one of the few places in the Western Hemisphere where I say when you're on a cruise, don't use a taxi. The reason why there's nothing wrong with the taxi is they're just extremely expensive. What you want to do is take advantage of either one or two forms of transportation, a bus or one of the uh, aqua or water taxis. There's usually, you'll find right by the port, there's a water taxi that brings you right to Hamilton. It's just an express deal. It goes back and forth. There's others that go to other places in Bermuda, but it's far more affordable. Taxis are really expensive there, so you just don't, it's not worth it. I know it's, a, in fact, I can't think of another port where I actually recommend using the bus in the Western Hemisphere, but I will tell you here in Bermuda, it's absolutely worthwhile. You'll be among many, many tourists. It's very safe to do, very easy to navigate, 
and definitely the thing to do when you're over there. Now, one of the things I absolutely love about Bermuda is the fact that you're doing overnights. Being overnight in any port is really a special experience because you're not you don't you don't have that overwhelming sense of like, oh gosh, I gotta get back to the ship before they leave. Oh gosh, I gotta get back before they leave. You know what I mean? Like there's not that kind of overwhelming uh, feeling in the back of your mind like, okay, I gotta make sure we have plenty of time. Being overnight opens up so much, especially nightlife. I know that you got, you know, complimentary food on board the ship. Do yourself a favor. Go have dinner in, like, Hamilton one evening. It's really nice. It's it's so cool to be able to enjoy that kind of an experience and then come back later. Uh, you know, it basically have a hotel room there. You know, it's a floating hotel room, but the hotel room nonetheless. It's really nice. The By far the go-to beach in, in Bermuda, if you're looking for a beach experience, is going to be Horseshoe Bay. It's beautiful. Pink sand. And if you got kids, I don't know if you do, Christy, but if not, but if anyone's listening out there has got children, Horseshoe Bay has its main part of the bay, but then there's a little protected inlet if you're facing the water, it's to the right. That is perfect for little kids who cannot swim uh, to go splash around in, essentially. But it's really beautiful. Really, really nice. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. When you get to Horseshoe Bay, the bus, which most people take, you know, that public bus I mentioned, will drop you off at the top of a hill, and the beach is down a very steep hill. It's fine to walk down for most people. They do offer, I think, the someone on the beach runs like a little like shuttle service. It's not necessary unless you've got some mobility issues, but... Uh, something to keep in mind when you're doing there. I mean, I love Bermuda. It's a beautiful place. Do a lot of shopping and, and you know, enjoy your time there. It's gorgeous. We should do an episode, though. I agree, Christy. I think you're, I think you hit upon a, an important note here. We have not dedicated enough to Bermuda, and I think we'll have to rectify that. So I appreciate that. Thank you, Christy, for the information. And thank you to everybody for these wonderful emails and your input. Love hearing that. Of course, want to hear from you as well. Send me your email, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.